Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 20 seconds to go. Reshot, save Talbot. Rebound, Tablo Blupin. Reshot, Martinez, save Talbot. Kopitar bangs it off the back of the head. 12 seconds, Reshot, Martinez, save made by Cam Talbot. And here come the Oilers, two on one to win it. McDavid in for the left-hand side. Drysaddle waits. There's the center pass. Left-timer, score! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 champ. start this party shall we thank you so much for tuning in tonight final show of the week for inside sports we're gonna we're gonna bring you a real live football game tomorrow night six o'clock for the countdown to kickoff 7 30 for the start of the game the eskimos hosting the hamilton tiger cats man oh man the eskimos are beat up that's a big story tonight general manager brock sunderland is going to join us in about half an hour as the eskimos try to stay undefeated they are uh, getting low on horses in the stable though a lot of guys uh, coming into action to start who haven't been playing a lot this season that is a huge storyline as we move along cfl tonight Three minutes left in the first quarter. Calgary and Toronto tied 7-7. The Stampeders are 4-1-1. Toronto, best team in the East, despite being 500 with a record of 3-3. The Oil Country Championship underway at Windermere. Of course, that's the Syncrude Oil Country Championship. Patrick Newcomb. In the lead, shooting an 8-under-62 today. Top Canadian tied for ninth. Jamie Marshall, he shot a 4-under-66. Some players still on the course. A round one of four for that McKenzie Tour stop. All right. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. You can always text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. We'll bring in Brock Sunderland after the 630 News. Getting us going tonight. The man who will be uh, hosting this show next week. Well, I, well I, I take some time off. It is... The legend in the making, Brendan Ulrich. Brendan, how's it going? Oh, I'm doing great, Reed. Can't You're looking wait for great. Next week. You're looking strong. You're looking invigorated. You're looking ready to rock and roll. You're yeah, looking ready to good. be on the sidelines tomorrow night. Can't wait for that. Edmonton Hammer. You remember what happened when Hamilton came here last year? What did, did it go to overtime? Thirty-one-six lead blown by the Eskimos. Yeah, that wasn't pretty. Yeah, you've kind of blocked it out, obviously, because you were there for that game. I have a short memory, Reed. <laughs> Well, that's valuable sometimes. <laughs> All right, so it, let's just let's just run down. Uh, and this is right off the Eskimos depth chart that they put out every the morning before every game, right? The players who played last week and who aren't playing tomorrow: Van White, Bullet, Colhoun, both Kings, Figueroa, and Williams into the lineup. Stafford, Perkins, Peters, Jackson, Muamba, Steinauer, Batiste, and O'Neill. So Hugh O'Neill's going to kick. 
Kenny Stafford's in at receiver, though because of the ratio, it looks like Chris Getzlaff is going to start, and Stafford will be a reserve. Ladarius Perkins will be the running back. Uh, Figueroa out on the O-line. So DeAnthony Batiste, who was a free agent into training camp, and then finally uh, re-signed by the Eskimos, he's going to slide in. Uh, Steinhauer will do the long snapping because uh, Ryan King is out. Josh Woodman, who has been active, will play safety in place of Neil King. Just so much shuffling, and then obviously Hugh O'Neill is going to kick for Sean. I mean, I mean, this is—it's getting crazy. I mean, you already got the the uh, Whites of the world, the Sheriffs of the world, out for the season. They've had three injuries at linebacker as they've been moving along. Uh, you know, Bowman's missed the last uh, the last couple of games. You, you you just worry like, is there a breaking point where there's just too many guys out for them to be successful? Yeah, it's mind-boggling, Reed, and you got the sense that uh, the injury report wasn't going to be pretty for the Eskimos after that game against BC. That was a war. Like, it took a lot to win that game. A lot of guys were battling through injuries, and and you know they stuck it out. Duke Williams came back in that game after you know missing stretches of it, and now he's out for a game. So it was just, I mean, what Jason Moss said at the game, like one of the craziest games they've ever been a part of. And it certainly was. So you got the sense that the injury report wasn't going to be good. But it just it, it's insane how it keeps piling up. And then you look at uh, Arjun Colhoun in the secondary. He's been having an outstanding rookie season here for the Eskimos. And to lose him now, I think he was hurt in practice. I don't even know where he got hurt because he didn't get hurt in the game as far as I, I'm concerned. So oh, it just keeps happening and happening. Um, but they, they keep finding a way to finding a way to win and that speaks to the character and uh, the coaching staff they keep getting them ready each game no matter who's on the field and they find a way to get it done well it's it's a team that i think that has a lot of composure and and i look at this era of the team and and i know they didn't join at the same time because you know sherrett's been here a while already but to me it's kind of the riley sherrett era you know they they one's the leader on offense one's the leader on defense they were both here through that 4-14 four and 14 season. The team got better the next year, then won the Great Cup the, ne- the, the year after that. Last year, they, you know, they kind of rallied at the end of the year to get over 500 and made the East Final. Clearly off to a great start this year. Now, I know Sherritt's out for the season, but it, you, know, you got, the, you got a, the linebacker and the quarterback, you know, kind of the, the brains of each side of the ball, who have proven themselves to be, A, excellent players, you know, players who improve, players who can think, and players who are pretty steady and level-headed and, and optimistic and deal with adversity. So I, I kind of look at that as that. that's, I mean, you, you can look at, okay, there was the, the Moon-Wilkinson era, and then, you know, maybe there was the, you can go through the 80s, the Gizmo era, he was a mainstay, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and, and to me now, this is a, a set of years where you're going to say this was the year those two guys were consistently two of the best players on the team. And I think they're defined by staying in games, being steady. So that uh, that attitude is half going to be because I don't expect 60-1. to 1. I, I do expect, despite Hamilton's record yeah. and everything they went through, I do expect a very close game tomorrow. Well, I mean, Hamilton, clearly, they need to, to get it together here. This is do or die for them. Clearly, some frustrations in practice this week. Like, you know, tension's starting to boil over, the, boil over there. They're coming here to win this football game, and the Eskimos better be ready for everything that Hamilton has. And I think they will be. Uh, I know that, as you talk about the leadership that Mike Riley uh, possesses, and, you know, Jason Moss was a leader when he played, and now is, uh, as the coach, he'll have his group ready, whoever's on the field. So I'm not worried about that. But, yeah, I think it's going to be another hard-fought, close football ball game. Um, I, I like the fact that the Eskimos do still have a really dominant decor intact, in despite, or not the decor, the defensive the line. The line, and that's hockey. the thing. There haven't been yeah. 
a lot because of that's injuries. been helping them a lot. I mean, whoever's in the secondary, it doesn't really matter if it, if they're getting so much pressure on the quarterback. I mean, Odell Willis is five sacks now on the season. He's second in the league. Uh, guys like Cummings have been good. They get Bowers back. So Sewell, of course, uh, th- they're strong there. So I think that gives the Eskimos a chance every game. And of course, Riley is still there uh, on the offense as well. The uh, Eskimos are going to honor. Edmonton Police Services, 125th year. Former Eskimo Rob Brown, not our hockey uh, Rob Brown, former D-lineman Rob Brown is going to crank the siren to start the game. He's now an EPS member, so that's pretty cool. And the EPS, there will be an EPS canine performance at halftime. This is not the Super Dogs, okay? <laughs> this is EPS canine, so I'm, I'm fine with them. Super Dogs, super dogs are great, I'm not fine with. You don't like the Super Dogs? They're not super. I'm not doing this again. People know how I feel. Seven eight zero four. That was Jack because I must have missed it. It's that's been with Jack and several times. I hear you guys bring it up every so often, but I never actually. It comes up at times. The real story behind it it. comes up at times. Well, I'll tell tell, tell you. Tell you a quiet moment, maybe when we (laughs) visit the library or something. Um, The rule change. Now we did see Toronto challenge about seven minutes into the game. They challenged a P.I. call, and it was upheld. So Calgary still got the yardage, and it led to a touchdown. It's 10-7 Calgary late in the first quarter. I like the change. I, I, I accept the fact that there may be egregious errors that can't be challenged. But I thought Randy Ambrosi explained it well last night on Inside Sports. The, the challenges were there to fix egregious errors, not for coaches to go on fishing expeditions, and mm-hmm. especially in the fourth quarter if they have challenges left. And he's basically saying there was too much of one and not enough of the other. And look, it's a type of thing, it can be changed again, but I want to see how this works with just the one challenge. I'm totally ready for it. I really like the way he laid out on your show last night, Reed. And uh, he, keep in mind, he was also at that game in Edmonton when there were, when all the challenges were taking place. Like, it, it was getting ridiculous at, to a point. And that game had, the Eskimos-Lions game had great flow and yeah, great action. it was a good now, game. Now, it's hard to sustain that for four quarters. And, and some, some games, the excitement's in the second half. There was more excitement in the first half in that game. But still, the first few minutes of the fourth quarter, we're, I, I mean, I go to the games as a, as a fan. We're all just sitting there. Yeah, that's no fun. And you can't get, you don't get as, I mean, the, the screen there is beautiful at Commonwealth, but you don't get the same quality of replays and variety of replays as you do at home. Yeah, and I, he seemed. Sort, I kind of cut you off, but he no, seemed very concerned about the game flow. Yeah, and I, I like that he's doing this right now. And I, I don't, as you talked about, you think maybe he wants to change other things that we'll likely see in the offseason. But he's not waiting, and I, I love that he's. You know, saying we need to change right now. This is uh, not a good look for the league. So let's address it. Let's get ahead of it. And if it doesn't work, so what? You look at it again in the offseason. If uh, coaches are finding they, they want that second challenge back and, you know, there's all these penalties that are getting missed and all these flags that could have been thrown, but they're missing it, then maybe he'll address it again. But you look at the NFL, they make changes all the time. The one complaint I have about the NHL, read is that Gary Bettman is so set in his ways and it's so old school. They think everything's perfect and they're scared to change Well, I don't know anything. about that. I mean, they, they did bring in the offside scared. challenge and the goal interference challenge. Yeah, but people don't like them. They, but they did. They did. They change. won't admit that they're <laughs> they wrong. People okay, want so them to be changed again. But they won't admit that there's problems with that current. Well, okay. Now we're getting into a different debate about the personalities of the leaders at the top of the sports, and and what and I like how Ambrosi handled this, and I and I think it bodes well. And he's gonna. I mean, Orridge was a dud, unfortunately. Yeah. Kohan, I actually thought did a pretty good job. Um, this speaks to Ambrosi being able to take control of a situation and say, look, I don't like this, 
And I mean, he said, well, "Not just saying the fans don't like he, it. Everyone's but, but, on Twitter right, complaining but he, about it." But he listened to the fans. Yeah. I don't, uh, despite the fact that he said all the governors and teams were unanimous. I'm sure the final vote was. I don't know if you know. I'm sure they made sure it was unanimous to make it seem like there's more unity. But I don't mind when a commissioner has to say, "I'm making this call," and I need everybody else to supply. I don't mind that, and for him to come out and say, "Okay, I didn't like it." You're right. The the thing that has rubbed people wrong about Bettman is everything's fine. Everything's yeah. fine. And then and then there'll be a change and he'll kind of be like, "Well, everybody knew it wasn't fine." Mm-hmm. But he wouldn't talk about. It. I mean, that but that I that's more of a talk debate about the personalities of the commissioners and and how fans perceive them and whether or not fans like them. Well, yeah, the thing I was just getting with, yeah, NHL is a different sport. I mean, if you look at the NFL, Reed, they make changes every offseason and they're not afraid to to go back to something that if it didn't work so that's what I think Ambrosi is looking at and saying, hey, we're trying to create the best you know, possible product for the fans. We want to see fast-paced, high-scoring football, lots of action. We don't want these flags interrupting that. And if that's what the younger generation wants to see. Otherwise, if they well, I think every they're generation going to, wants to see that. I think every generation okay, wants to see that. Let's just focus on the younger generation here because I think that's what the <laughs> okay. league is trying to People attract. People 12 and under, is that what we're no, talking but about? I think, the fo- <laughs> I think the CFL has, the, you know... People in their mid thirties and forties. That that's those are the people that watch the game right now. But people my age, read in their twenties, their teens, it's hard for them to watch the CFL. If they're going to watch the CFL, and there's a five minute delay because of a challenge, they're going to do something else, turn their attention right. to their phones, and next thing you know, they aren't watching the CFL. Well, game. and 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 I mean, the NFL is a juggernaut, but it's struggled with that too. Right with pace of games, length yeah. of games, and and some decrease in viewership as well. So maybe that's yeah, I think it's kind of a football problem as well. This Finch guy is an outstanding returner for Calgary. He's gone. Wow, going to be about a hundred yard punt return. Have to see where he caught the ball, but sixteen seven the Stampeders go ahead. More with Brendan Ulrich and uh, Eskimos GM Brock Sunderland coming up as well. Inside Sports on six thirty, Chet. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. There's the title track from the 1987 juggernaut of an album, Hysteria, by Def Leppard, celebrating its 30th birthday today. How about that? It was a long and arduous labor. Reed Wilkins, Brendan Ulrich, Inside Sports on 630. Chad, Brendan Ulrich, you know, uh, just a quick uh, musical <laughs> diversion here. You attended the Poison Def Leppard concert on June 2nd. I and did. You, and you seem to have a surprisingly good time. Well, like you well, thought no, it was going to suck. I didn't think it was going to suck. Come on. I know Def Leppard's a great band, but it's not really my cup of tea, I guess. Uh, I'm not really a rocker. I have been to Aerosmith and ACDC in the past. Those are the only two rock shows I had have been to prior to uh, Def Leppard. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was incredible. I really enjoyed it, Reid. And I remember you texted me during the Poison show, and you were like, this is a Poison <laughs> yeah, song? No it idea. was nothing but a good time. <laughs> and there were even a couple of Leopard songs. You were like, oh, that's yeah. Def Leopard. Well, I, I know more about Def Leopard than Poison, but yeah, now I'm a well, big Poison fan as well. You play all their songs. I've kind of forced all my colleagues to know about them. In the sporting department, you <laughs> always a, are playing. Every time I walk in, you're rocking out to Def Leopard. True. Do you have a favorite Def Leopard song? Hysteria's up there. Uh, well, Pour Some Sugar on Me is obviously good. Um... What's the Ages of Rock? That one's a good one. Rock of Ages. Rock of Ages. You're like Yoda. Ages of Rock we will listen to. 
<laughs> I like all their, their mainstream stuff. Uh, Lady Gaga tonight, eh? You going? I, I wish. Brian Hall's going, and he was pumped about Hall's it. Hall's going yes. to Gaga? And he was pretty stoked about it. He's so probably it. the opening act. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, his wife's taking him there for his birthday. Was it Halsey's birthday today? Uh, it's in a couple weeks. I it's think. around, it's this month? Yeah. So, I don't know. All right. Lady Gaga, she's got to be one of the top five in the music industry right now. Absolutely. Big, she's she's a hell of a performer. Big Valley starts tonight as well. I believe so. Yeah, that'll be fun. Big uh, big weekend for our friends at uh, Kissing Country 103.9. Hey, by the way, how was your trip to Europe there? Ah, it was the best time of my life. Yeah? I won't sugarcoat it. It was amazing. Oh, yeah? What was the highlight? Just everything. What city or country? Well, going to Europe on a two-week, or I guess it was over two weeks, two and a half weeks, with two of your best friends, three single guys you are in Europe. Uh, it was just, I don't know, life, a life-changing uh, event. And uh, we went to Amsterdam, which uh, I can't really talk about on the radio, but... Uh, <laughs> We did go to this place called the Banana Bar. Use your imagination and sort of think about what goes on at a place like that in Amsterdam. All right. <laughs> That's oh, you. I probably said too much. You're getting that. all giggly. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, He's all giggly and embarrassed, everybody. <laughs> yeah, a little embarrassed. I always wanted to go to Germany because I am uh, part German, so that was a, a big highlight for me. Went to Berlin for three days. Uh, went to Rome. Man, I, I can't believe how hot it was in Rome. Like, it's ridiculously hot there. <laughs> All right. Well, so, yeah, I went there, went to uh, Barcelona, Ibiza, and uh, Warsaw, actually. That's a hidden gem. If you ever go to Poland, check out Warsaw. It's a, it's a really nice place. All right. Well, we missed you while you were gone, but I'm glad you had a good time. Brendan Ulrich joining us. So, you're uh, the Eskimo sideline reporter. You uh, are the producer of Oilers now. I think you're going to be hosting that show next week as well, as well as this show, because me and Stoffer are both away. Not together. Yeah, I'm you not, guys going Not holidaying with Bob Stoffer. <laughs> yeah, we're going tree planting together, everybody. It's going to be great. Uh, going to Disneyland? <laughs> so what, what's, uh, why, why, are, why was everybody texting in the other day with Leon Dreisaitl trade proposals? I don't know. Like, I think people just, are just worried. Just insane. Yeah, people are losing their minds. They're thinking, they're thinking, why? You know, what's going on here? There must be something to it. But I... I you know what? He's... The agent's pushing... He's not going to sign an offer sheet. You know, if it extends into training camp, all right, that'll be disappointing, and it could hurt the way he starts the season. He's going to be an oiler. I don't think it will get to training camp. I, I think, you know, I, I know people hate being told to be patient. Yeah. Because when it comes to the Oilers, they were, they were told to be patient for a long time, or asked to be patient, and things never got better. Fair enough. But, I mean, eventually he's going to have the contract. I mean... When McDavid didn't have an... Because ex- July, July 1st was the earliest day McDavid could have signed an extension, right? And when it didn't happen, July 1st, July 2nd, well, where's the extension? Where's the extension? Yeah. What does this mean? Well, then what was it, July 5th or 6th? I think it was July 5th Yeah, that he actually signed the extension. So I, I know it's slightly concerning with Dreisaitl, but I will say very slightly. And he's not, he's not getting traded. He's not going to another team. If there was an offer sheet, wouldn't it have happened already? Like, I would not be worried about an offer sheet. Um, I, I believe uh, Shirelli is in a position of power here, and he's going to, you know, do his best to save as If he can save $500,000 in the long run, I don't think he cares about the fans that are a little worried here in, <laughs> at the beginning of August. Because in the end, he, I think Shirelli knows he's going to be back. Everyone in the organization, you've heard Nicholson say he's going to be back numerous times. Like, I don't think the Oilers are too worried. And well, I don't think Drysaddle is saying, oh, right. he's not like he's threatening to not play well, here. Well, here's the thing about an offer sheet. 
the player has to sign it. It's not just the, another team makes yeah. an offer and then the Oilers have to match it. No, like Dreisaitl would have to sign it and say, yes, I am willing to yeah. play for you, Nashville Predators or, or whoever. See, if right? it went to that, I think that would rub some people the wrong way. But, I mean, I, hockey players deserve to get paid too. It's, it's I mean, Dreisaitl had a heck of a season last year. Um what what do you think he's worth? Like, what's? Are we I don't think he's gonna. Deal? I don't think he's gonna get more than eight million a year. I think that's the absolute max he winds eight up getting. Eight times eight. That, I'd be. I mean, Johansson. Well, if he got the Johansson that. deal, yeah. that'd be incredible. But Johansson, you know, as great as the season Leon just had, Johansson has accomplished more than Drysdale has. Big picture. But he's also getting more. I think five by. Eight. I think five by eight's the most. You think it'll be short term? Uh, I don't think it'll eight? be eight years. I think it's more likely to be five, in my mind, and given the way things have shaken down. Maybe it's a two-year deal. Who knows? Bridge deal? Yeah, who knows? Like a real, that's a real short bridge deal. Yeah. All right, Brendan, thanks for sticking around. All the best uh, hosting this show next week. I guess we're going to have shows uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday next week. Best of on Monday. Eskimos game next Thursday. Enjoy some time off, Reed. You've earned it, man. Oh, I'm going to enjoy it, buddy. Lots of golfing? Uh, probably no time for golf. Probably a lot of fam. Family wedding next uh, Saturday, so family visiting. Going to be a lot of catching up and uh, helping prepare. Maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll hang some streamers. Maybe I'll <laughs> you know maybe I'll bake a cake. Maybe I'll hey, join I, you for. Hey a cousin, out. I made your wedding cake. It's actually steak. Brock Sunderland coming up inside sports on Chet. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on Eskimos and Oilers Radio 630 Chet. This portion of the show is presented by Action Furnace. They are the home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can check them out online at actionfurnace.ca. A lot of changes for the uh, Edmonton Eskimos going into tomorrow's game against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. It's been tough for the green and gold. One of those situations, I mean, there are always going to be uh, injuries in football and pro sports. There will always be lineup changes. Uh, one of those situations where there are more guys... Uh, added to the injury list and then coming off it every week. Hopefully that's going to change as the season moves along, but we'll have some uh, good football and Eskimo discussion with their general manager, Brock Sunderland. Brock, welcome back to Inside Sports. You're on with Reed. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing very well. I really appreciate you making time for us. And uh, hey, hey, you know what? Before we get into the football stuff, uh, I mean, sometimes uh, I think we all forget as fans and media, you kind of had to uproot your life a little bit too. Uh, you know, hired a couple months before the season. You'd been with uh, you'd been with Ottawa, and I know when you're in pro sports, you have to accept moving uh, as as part of the lifestyle. But how has the transition to being an Edmontonian been so far? It's been very easy and very smooth. I'm a Montana boy. I was born and raised in Great Falls, Montana. So the the climate, you know, having it be light out until about 11 o'clock every night is actually pretty nurturing to me. I grew up with that. and The people out here are very similar to Montana, and that's a compliment. So uh, I'm in heaven. I love it here, and I hope I'm here for a long, long time. Yeah, right on. Well, you know, so far so good with the team. You've racked up a 5-0 and record. Brock, uh, and let, let me ask it to you this way. What has what have you what have you been most impressed by or found most encouraging with the Eskimos so far? Uh, first and foremost, I think our coaching staff is doing an outstanding job. When you go through all the player movement that we're going through, 
uh, whether it be special teams, offense, defense, all of it, it's not easy just to plug guys in, have them ready, and have them execute to the same level that everyone else is. And we're doing that. And that's a testament to our coaching staff and, in particular, Jason Moss. Uh, number two is just the confidence we have. Uh, it shows the depth we have and the talent that we have in the locker room, and it shows how dialed in every player on the team is. When they step up, there's no one that's panicking here. Everybody's ready to go. There's a lot of leadership from our veterans, which I knew was in this locker room. But it's one thing to know from the outside and then another thing to be inside the building and, and see the leadership and how they nurture the young guys and the next man up. And, you know, we haven't missed a beat so far. So it's very encouraging. You know, you mentioned leadership, and, and you basically described, uh, you know, character there when you're talking about how the team has handled some of the adversity. From your from your experience, you know, scouting, assistant general manager, now a general manager, how do you scout character? Because, you know, I talk to a lot of people, and we talk a lot of football and hockey on the show. You can uh, measure how fast a guy runs a 40. You can, uh, you know, see how hard he shoots a slap shot. You can see how tall he is. How do you scout character as you're going through the process of putting together a file on a guy? That's a, that's a great question. That might be the best question about Scott I've been asked, to be honest with you. I think there's a lot of ways. Is When you're an area scout, when you go to the school, you do your due diligence. You speak to the pro liaison. You speak to the coaches. I know when I was out doing it for both Ottawa and in particular the Jets, I'd go speak to professors and find out what these people are like and what they are away from the limelight. That's what true character is, is when it's not noticed. So I even went as far as to call roommates um, of people that we were considering a draft just to see what they're like away from 50,000, 60,000 people or when the media is not around them. So I think finding true character is going to the people that these players are around when they're not knowing that they're in the limelight and people are watching them. And I think that's where true character is. So I think that's the best way to scout it. And then another way is watching them on the field. My favorite thing about going to games to scout live is, yes, to see the talent. But the best way to evaluate talent on the for games is on film because you can rewind it and go over plays multiple times. For me, I love seeing players live to see how they handle adversity. If it's a quarterback in particular and the team's not doing really well, are they on the end of the bench sulking and pouting, or are they rallying the troops, are they taking charge, are they leading people? And it doesn't have to be quarterback. It can be any position. Um, you also see a lot of character when teams are getting blown out. If you're scouting somebody and they're getting beat really bad, who who's out there giving the same effort from play one to the final blow the whistle when you're getting beat really bad so those are some ways that i look at, at doing it yeah well that's 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 a great answer and uh you know i was talking earlier in the show and the look brock you're probably I, I don't expect you to agree with this and i'm not asking for a comment but like what as a guy who's lived in edmonton and you know i, I kind of define this era of the eskimos as the riley sherritt era because they started around the same time they both went through that four and 14 season and and the team built up and they're and they're both and i know sherritt's out for the season but i mean to me they're both guys who are steady continue learning and plus are excellent players right that doesn't that, that doesn't hurt either exactly i mean i, I i'm new here but you can see it uh, right away i mean when guys have the quote it factor and uh, they have a bit of aura about them when they walk in the room. You know who they are. Even if you weren't in football and Mike or JC walked into a room, I think everybody would say, well, that, so there's something about that person that's a little different from everyone else in a good way. So absolutely, I've been here for you know a couple months now, but those two certainly jump out. I would agree. Brock Sunderland, Eskimos general manager, joining us on Inside Sports. I had an excellent interview with Vidal Hazelton last night. And uh, I talked to Mike Riley last week, and I asked about Hazelton, and Riley you know, said how he fights for the ball. 
And I asked Vidal where that that comes from. That he's one of those guys. I mean, look, contact is part of the game, Brock. But w- would you also agree that there are different levels of how players enjoy or even look for contact? Vidal might be one of those guys, but but maybe that is another element of the character question I asked you too. Is, is that would you think there there are some guys who are just more willing to be physical? And, and try to kind of all, I mean, we use that phrase, send a message, but send that message to the opposition. I'm here every play, run blocking, fighting for balls. It's just part of my makeup. Absolutely. I mean, there is. And, and I would say that's more physicality and toughness more than character. I think you can have high character people that aren't overly physical. And some of those guys, maybe it's a corner who's an outstanding cover guy or a receiver who's just great at running routes, catching the ball, and making plays after the catch that don't necessarily like to crack on a middle linebacker. So depending on what the position is, I know uh, in particular when I was with Rex Ryan at the Jets, and he would say, I just want corners I can cover, and if we're dependent on those guys to make tackles, then we're in trouble. So he'd say, let's just have them shoo them back to the teeth of the defense, and we're okay. So we certainly want more than that here, but um, you're right. I think it jumps out, uh, the physicality, the effort, and people that see contact. And I think we're very fortunate here at Edmonton that all of our receivers are tough. All of our DBs are tough. So very lucky on that front. Brock, you know, I, I always, uh, you know, I talk to Dave and Morley every day, and I'm like, what's going on at practice? And uh, I always await the depth chart coming out because I, I want to see, you know, who's, who's going to play, if there might be any tweaks. Unfortunately, this season, my eyes on the depth chart go immediately to the little section you guys have called changes from last week because, unfortunately, there have been a lot of them because of the extent of the injuries along the theme of being level-headed how have you how have you kept a level head and tried to keep as calm as possible knowing that you have to file so many uh i guess roster moves with the league moving a guy to the one game or the or the six game dl because i've imagined that you've had to manage some frustration along the way here well, I think, one, it's football, and, and being around this game for a long time, you know it's going to happen. To this extent, you certainly never expect that. But as far as being level-headed, I think when you're prepared and you have a plan of attack, that breeds confidence, and that when you're confident as an organization as we are, I think that brings a steady calm, and that's how we've approached it. Neither Jason nor I are panicking. We have trust in everybody who's on this roster. So when a Darius Bowman's out, is that a hurt? Absolutely. I mean, we're not foolish. We're never going to deny that. But we also have every bit of confidence in Brian Mitchell. He's proven he can play. We have every bit of confidence in Kenny Stafford, Chris Getzloff, Corey Watson, so on and so forth. So everyone on this roster is here for a reason. And when a player goes down, whether it's for one game or six games of the season, we have a plan of attack. So that kind of calms the nerves. When someone goes down, we look to what we have a ready list. And we say, okay, the next man up is this guy. We'll call him. We'll get him here. It kind of soothes your nerves a little bit because you're not freaking out saying who do we call what do we do you know who the player is you know what his background is as you touched on earlier you know what his character is and in particular if they've been here before you have a real good feel for who they are and in turn they have a good feel for who we are and what we're doing schematically so as long as you're prepared and you have a plan of attack i think it's easy to stay level-headed i, I want to ask you about a couple guys particularly I, I mean some of the players who are going to be uh, activated this week or maybe take on more of a role I mean, you mentioned Getzlaff. We've all seen him play before. Hugh O'Neill's been here before. Batiste has been on the O-line, and you guys brought him back for this year. Ladarius Perkins is going to be the third, uh, I guess, import running back you've used. Calvin McCarty remains uh, on the roster. Uh, I mean, John White, unfortunately, uh, out for the year. Trayvon Van was hurt last week. Uh, give me a sense of what fans might be able to expect from Ladarius Perkins. Is he going to look a little differently in that role, or whose style might he uh, emulate here? 
Well, he kind of has his own style, and I think if anyone's listening out there as a fan, just go to YouTube and dial in Ladarius Perkins, Mississippi State, and get right. ready to be wild. Uh, he's the all-time leading rusher at Mississippi State history, and anytime you're the leading rusher for an SEC team, you're doing something right. So he's highly productive, and he showed that in the preseason. He had a um, my my numbers not be off a little bit, but about a 40-yard run against Calgary in the preseason, and then at Winnipeg he broke about a 50-yard touchdown run. So. That's what he's capable of. He has great hands out of the backfield, and he's tough as nails as a pass blocker, which our number one priority here for running backs is protecting Mike Riley for obvious reasons, and he's outstanding at that. So, again, we have full confidence in Ladarius, and he's starting this game, and our expectations and our standards are the same. You know, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up about the pass catching and, and the pass blocking because that has that comes up a lot. Uh, I think it's changed on both sides of the borders, but I want to get your perspective in your role as a scout, and obviously your dad was you know around the NFL for, for decades. And, and you know what? Maybe you're going to tell me, no, Reed, you're, you're wrong. It hasn't changed that much. But can you give me a perspective on how the role of the running back has changed given what seems to me more of an inclination for teams to pass maybe than they did in the 70s, 80s, even early 90s. Am I on to something here, or is, or is it a little off? Well, I think it's always a skill set that you wanted. Uh, anytime you have a quarterback, you want him upright. And as long as football's been around, I don't care what level or what league, they're the number one priority, and it's a, it's a quarterback-driven game, let alone league or, or whatever. So I think it's always been a priority. The difference, I think, has been the style of offenses. So you go from whether it be option, wing T, or traditional pro formation, I formation, that changes a little bit of the emphasis on pass blocking. And now a lot of times you're doing the the shotgun I formation and you're doing those formations where the blocking becomes a little more isolated, so the running backs are a little bit more in the forefront. But other than that, I think the, the value of it's been the same throughout. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's a good answer for sure. What was who was the guy um was it Charlie Garner that had that receptions record as a running back for the Raiders about 15 years ago? I'm testing my memory here. But anyway, might be. Yeah, John Gruden, Bill Call- Bill Callahan in uh in Oakland. Yeah, I don't if it wasn't a receptions record, I think it was over 100 by a, by a running back and I remember that was kind of a, a definitive year for for the NFL. Hey, Brock, just a, a couple more for you here. Um I, I asked you about uh, just just for the injuries here cuz you'll explain it better than I will. Because I know whenever a player is on the six-game DL, people ask me, oh, is he out for the season? Oh, now he can't come back until they'll count six games ahead in the schedule. But there is a, there are opportunities to, like, the six-game DL doesn't mean he's necessarily out six games, right? What are the rules and the stipulations there? The rules are you can put a player on the, the six-game injured list at any time, and he does not have to stay there for the full six games. You can pull them at any time. The difference is, is if you pull a player before he's hit his sixth game, it counts towards the salary cap. If he's on there for the full six games, it doesn't count for the salary cap, but the organization still pays the player his full salary. So that's the biggest difference. Um, but you can pull them at any time. For example, we did pull Marcus Howard. We had room on the cap. He, he got healthier a little earlier than we anticipated, so we pulled him. And there might be one or two players that we're crossing our fingers that can come back a little earlier than anticipated. But that's the biggest thing is where the money's allocated. Okay, that's a very concise answer and better than the one I would have tried to sum up. Uh, before, before I let you go, the, uh, the coach's challenge was changed yesterday by the, by the commissioner. Um, 
you know, I know your players and coaches were kind of no commenting yesterday, so I don't want to put you in a, in a tough situation. But uh, I guess just from your perspective uh, as a general manager, give me your thoughts just on, um, you know, because you, you got to think about the fans too, ki- kind of the game flow and, you know, the any, any, I guess any reservations about a, a midseason change, whether you like it or not, the rules? There's no reservations. We're big on, and our philosophy here is controlling what we can control. So decisions made at the league level are out of our control. That goes to the governors and the commissioner. We respect that. And whatever rules they set forth, we're going to abide and play by. And we're going to do everything we can to just focus on ourselves. And our philosophy with refereeing is never leave it up to them. And so let's do what we can do to control our own destiny. And if you're dependent on a, fo- on a call, then you probably didn't handle your business the way you should have before that call was made. Fair answer for sure. Brock, it's 648. I know you got a lot of work to do. Uh, you're probably trying to keep an eye on Calgary and Toronto as well. So thanks for fitting me in on Inside Sports tonight, and I'll see you at the stadium tomorrow. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Right on. That is Brock Sunderland checking in, the general manager of the Edmonton Eskimos. Really enjoyed that conversation. Love the couple comments he gave there about scouting players and digging into their histories and trying to find out their character, how they behave, watching them during blowouts. Are they pouting? Or are they still trying to work and get better and encourage teammates? Great to have Brock on the show. Calgary, by the way, leading Toronto 27 with a minute 19 left in the first half. Calgary has taken control of that game. You can text me at 63630, the phone number 780-496-0063. We're coming right back. Hi, this is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Well, thank you, Patrick Bauer. Spinning the tracks from Def Leppard's Hysteria tonight. Released 30 years ago today. This is Animal. I named a dog after this song. You named your dog Animal? I named a dog Animal. <laughs> He's no longer with us. The more I talk to you, the more I like you, Reed. Well, thank you. I also named a dog Rocket, also after a song <laughs> off this album. I didn't realize the extent of your, your fanhood. I felt a little guilty about bugging you last night. I, so. I, hey, do you really think people don't bug me about a variety of things? <laughs> I would think something was wrong if people didn't mock me continuously. I, I don't know whether to applaud you for your bravery or cry because that's so sad. It's just life. <laughs> it's just life. Uh, 2010 now. Calgary leading Toronto. 30 seconds left in the first half. Canadian Football League. Tomorrow, Eskimos up against Hamilton. 6 o'clock for the countdown to kickoff here on 6.30, Chad. The game will start at 7.30. Then two in a row away from home for the green and gold. Thursday the 10th, Thursday the 17th at Ottawa and at Winnipeg. Uh, You can already uh, look ahead to Friday, August 25th. Saskatchewan Rough Riders in town. Oh, yeah. Always a marquee matchup. Going to be fun. All right. A couple other notes here. The Edmonton Prospects are back home tonight. Game three of their best of five Western Conference semifinal in the Western Major Baseball League. The Prospects won last night in Okotoks 2-1 to tie the best of five at 1-1. Game three, 7 o'clock tonight at Remax Field. So there will be a game four tomorrow at 7 uh, if they need Game 5, they go back to Okotoks on Saturday, but hopefully the prospects can win their two home games and win the series. Mike Fisher has retired from the NHL after 17 seasons, captain of the Nashville Predators, 37, played 1,088 regular season games. Of course, he started with Ottawa, and he was traded to Nashville in uh, 2011. What's his? Uh, who's Fisher's wife again? Is that Carrie Underwood? 
Yeah, Carrie Underwood, that lucky devil. She is a uh, country music star, I believe. Yeah, you should see the set of eyes on that girl. Okay. <laughs> if, you, if you insist. I think I know what she looks like. Yeah, very attractive girls. I think she won American Idol is how she got into fame in the first place. And then turns out she really? actually had talent. People didn't just like her for her I didn't looks. know that. She's actually a good singer, yeah. I'll look at Carrie it. Underwood sure. won American Idol? I'm going to make sure. I'm going to look. You're not thinking of Kelly Clarkson, are you? <laughs> no. Pretty sure Kelly Clarkson won American Idol. Well, that's fascinating stuff. Oil Country Championship, round one, Windermere. Patrick Newcomb, eight under 62 today. He leads by two over Russell Serber, Derek Barron, Corey Pereira, Josh Hart, who's still on the course, so he'll have a chance to move up. Jamie Marshall, the top Canadian. He shot a four under 66. Riley Fleming. Still on the course, another Canadian tied for 16th. He's three under with three holes to go. Ryan Williams, another Canadian. He's tied for 27th, shot a two under 68. Grant Fewer playing on a uh, sponsor exemption. He shot uh, an 82 today as uh, that tournament will continue tomorrow. Thanks a lot for tuning in, 780-496-0063. You can also text 63630. Uh, we were talking a little bit about Leon Dreisaitl earlier. This texter says, uh, every day the dry cycle contract isn't done, he loses goodwill with the fans, and we fans are brutal. Then it won't for, be fun for him to be here, and another good player will end up scrubbed. My goodness. Well, I hope that doesn't happen. It's business. People don't like it, but that's how it goes. Dreisaitl will be an oiler, and I, I certainly hope the fans don't turn on him because this contract's taking longer than some people hoped. Several texters telling me, Carrie Underwood... Did win Canadian Idol, or uh, Canadian Idol, American Idol. Jay Bueller leading the way with the information. Yeah, season four. Uh, 2005, that's what Jay says. She's an Okie from Muskogee. Uh, Jay saying she was the biggest success ever to win American yeah. Idol. Yeah. But I'm, I'm sure uh, Kelly Clarkson won it. She's been pretty big, hasn't she? Anyway. Uh, does Carrie Underwood have the song where hitting the, the guy's baseball bat with a car because he cheated on her? Yeah. And scratching it with keys or something That's like that? Something like that. Yeah, she beat it yeah, up with I a think, bat. I think the lyrics are far more effective than the way I just conveyed them. Probably, <laughs> it sound, probably sounds a lot, scary to me. Probably a lot more lyrical. Kelly Clarkson won the first season. There is American Idol still on the air? Like, seriously, I don't know. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make people mad. Uh, I hate shows like that. Like, Agreed. literally hate them. And like, I hate can't people stand who them. like them. No, that's too far. And you hate people who like the. Jeez, <laughs> that is too far, Patrick. You're serious. Kind of a, you're kind of a sassy guy. Just I'm generally not big into the reality television. No. Well, is that even reality TV? It's a, it's a talent show, basically. It is. It's a glorified yeah. talent show. I like the ones where they incorporate new things. They let a juggler come on every now and then. So yeah, or stand-up comedy. Yeah, just the singing ones don't do it for yeah, me. Yeah, I hear you. Anyway, uh, what are we going to do? I think Greg Reynolds might be coming up from Kissing Country 103.9. That'll be fun. You'll hear a little bit uh, about Tom Brady's 40th birthday. You'll hear from Jason Moss. You'll hear from Mike Riley. You can keep texting 63630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Chet, we're back after the news and weather.